It's, it's crazy, right? And so I think that there is a revolution coming where we actually start understanding what happens at physical retail, that we connect to the mobile phone, we understand a little bit more about you know, who you are, what you like, what's in store that would appeal to you, that you can go up to products. I see you know, perch on every end cap of every aisle where you want to know about the best baby products or, or the mm -hmm. best environmental friendly products, and it explains them to you. You can discover these physical products and get the product content you need. You can buy it there or connect to your mobile phone and buy it online and have it delivered to your door. You can save it for later. You can do all the types of things that we've, you know, find it so easy to do digitally, but have the flexibility and platforms to do it in store. And I, I, I see right now, um, almost every major retailer building these retail media networks uh, for both online and in store mm -hmm. that will allow brands to start connecting to shoppers in more deep and meaningful ways. And to me, where, where e-commerce is going to have some iterative improvements, I think in-store is going to have some revolutionary and disruptive improvements. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Head Store with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. <music> My guest today is a savvy technologist who has had over 20 years experience building innovative technology companies, products and teams with a focus on software as a service, marketing technology, AI, business development and mobile applications. He has won a plethora of awards to include being cited as one of the top 50 retail technology influencers. This is the new series on Heads Talk, the retail series where we talk to executive leaders in this space about how tech is changing the sector for the better. But before we get into that, here's a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Heads Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Trevor Sumner is the CEO of Perch, a leading corporation in in-store product engagement marketing, interactive retail displays and augmented reality. This is a lot more, well, actually, there's a lot more to this organization and we will find out in the course of the discussion. Prior to this, he was the president, CMO and co-founder of Local Vox, a social and mobile marketing platform for local businesses that was named one of the top startups in New York City by Business Insider, Forbes and the Huffington Post. It was later acquired by the Blackstone Group. Trevor spent over two decades in startups as a product and marketing executive for cutting edge technologies and services. He has also served on a number of boards and his core speciality is understanding technology, what it is now and what it could be. 
Trevor has been published and is regularly cited in industry media such as Mashable, TechCrunch, Forbes, Business Insider, and Venture Beat. Academically, Trevor has a BSc in Computer Science from Princeton University. Let's begin. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Trevor to Head's Talk. Many thanks for being with us today. Hello. Hello, Trevor. Let's begin by, by you telling my listeners all about Perch. What do you do? What is your USP? And also, very, very recently, um, there's an article which I read about Perch being featured as one of the top 10 examples of technology 2.0 redefining retail. Probably at the end of this, probably explain what that, that is to us. But first, Perch, what do you do? Yeah, actually, that article, we were two of the 10 uh, oh. in the examples. Yes, for our work with Purina and then separately with our work uh, with Unilever and Dove. So, uh, uh, you know, it's really about that at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 exciting. And I think it really talks about you know, the digital transformation going into store and, and the number of opportunities. So let me tell you a little bit about what we do at Perch. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Perch uh, provides interactive retail touchscreens at the shelf. So, but what's cool about them is we use computer vision, basically a camera to look around and we detect which products you pick up. And the moment you pick up a product, let's say an iPhone, uh, it immediately wakes up and tells you about the product. Um, and so, you know, the way I think about it is that online, we are just used to so much information. 87% of consumers start their product research online because, you know, that's where the content is. We want mm -hmm. videos, we want ratings, we want reviews for every product on the shelf. And yet the one place that you can't get it is in store where 86% yeah. of transactions occur. So we had this idea that products, physical products on the shelf should be clickable. And so using computer vision, we detect when you pick up that product and, uh, and give you the information you need. So I think the worst way to think about purchase is digital signage. Um, and I tend, to, uh, I tend to equate digital signage at retail more like a banner ad. Mm -hmm. It's blinky text, it's a flashing promotion, it's something trying to get your attention away from where you're shopping right now. Mm -hmm. And what Perch does is provide you product content and marketing and the tools that you need. And we've done this for Johnson & Johnson at Neutrogena. We have tools where you can actually scan your face and it makes recommendations on products based on wrinkles and sunspots. Mm -hmm. We have, we've done Kate Spade where you pick up a purse and then you can configure it with different flaps and straps and even email it to yourself online. And so we've seen this technology start being deployed at scales to hundreds uh, of stores at a time. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's a really exciting time right now uh, mm. to provide consumers the content that they actually want and need as part of the shopping process. Mm. And then the cool part about it is if you think about us, what we're really doing is instrumenting the quote unquote clicks at the shelf. And so we can actually see, and we're uncovering all these insights that you know, retail to date and merchandising and marketing and store has been more art than science because of the lack of data. We are uncovering that some of the things that we thought to be true are not actually, are, are suboptimal. And so we're able to see, are we putting the products at the right place in the shelf? Which content changes um, user behavior and shopping behavior? Uh, how does content resonate differently by generation? So it's, it's shining a flashlight into what was the digital desert and black box of the store. 
And mm. uh, it's an exciting, it's a really exciting time. So, so, so what, so what type of stores would you say are sort of taking up and what purchase it has to offer more so? Yeah, that's a great question. Because originally we started with, uh, you know, Joe Malone, for example, where uh, really high-end perfume shop yeah. and you, you would pick up a, a fragrance and in the background, the screen would then wake up and animate into honeysuckle and lemon or sage and wood. It was absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. We were on high street. Um, you know, we, we, it, it was very custom. It was luxury. It was more almost agency work. Mm. And what, what we realized when we noticed this kind of idea that it's about, um, you know, the ability to click on products in store, we said, well, well, what happens when you click on products online, you get a, what's called a product detail page, right? A, mm -hmm. Or PDP is what we call it in the retail industry. It, it's a page with the product image and the ratings and the reviews and the videos and all those things. And we realized that, that, that the applicability of this technology is actually towards mass retail. And so our biggest customers are Johnson & Johnson with Neutrogena and Tylenol and allergy products. It's Purina with dog food. You know, what are the right dog foods for uh, your little fur baby? And mm -hmm. how do you think through supplements and treats? Mm -hmm. um, it's Unilever and Dove. And so it's we've gone from kind of experiential mm -hmm. as a technology to, hey, this is mass market appeal. And so we're deploying at grocery stores and CVS, which yeah. is our- I was about to ask you about the grocery stores. Are you sort of providing- I know if I shop online and grocery stores, I sort of get this, you know, if I pick up an item, they will say the, these four other items are similar to what you, you're about to buy. Would you like to purchase them? Are you providing other data like the, the calories for one of these things or the carbon footprint of these items in the grocery store? These are the sort of the information that these savvy customers now want to have. Are you providing that data there and then? Absolutely. So you can, again, if you think about being able to provide any data that you like when you quote unquote clicked on a product at the shelf, it's really whatever your consumer cares about. And so, yes, it's providing related products. So we've shown that when you pick up a, a Band-Aid, we can sell you, you know, um, uh, Neosporin, which is an antibiotic cream. Mm -hmm. We can be very effective right. in cross-sell increase, increasing items per basket. But, you know, for example, at the at Dove and Unilever, um, one of the things they're really pushing around beauty products is what they call their self-esteem project, mm -hmm. which is you know addressing some of the unhealthy behaviors yeah. um, around uh, you know kind of women and beauty and some of the, the imagery that's provided. Mm -hmm. So it's everything from you know ESG, um, you know the environmental impact, mm -hmm. um, and I think the future is to have this uh, in, in every category. I mean, even if we talk mm -hmm. about you know. These are the best green products. Well, what does green even mean? You yeah. might think that a bottle of water is green because it's water, but the the costs in the plastic the used twenty times. That, yes. Yeah, it's tw it costs twenty times as much water to produce the plastic bottle than the it water is. in the bottle. And as you just pointed out, there's all the transport costs. So, what does green mean? How do we how do we have a better mm -hmm. impact on our communities? Mm -hmm. All of that can be now brought in on a per product basis. And, and then there's this, this thing, sorry, but, but this is really fascinating what you're talking about. Then there's almost the ethical thing. Who, who's your customer? Who's purchased customer? Is it the store or it, uh, is it the organization that perhaps advertised within that, the, 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 the space where you provide the information? 
How does that work? Yeah, so we, we sell both to brands and retailers. Most of our business right now is brands like Johnson & Johnson, uh, Purina, uh, Unilever and Dove. Um, but we've worked with retailers as well, Macy's and Kate Spade mm -hmm. and others. And, you know, one of the, the kind of hidden little, you know, secrets about the way the retail industry works is generally, you know, for these type of programs, the brands always end up paying. So if the retailer implements it, they usually charge the brands to be a part of it. And I, I guess I didn't say this, and I should probably lead with this too, is, is that by providing this digital content, like the actual information that a shopper wants at mm -hmm. the moment that they're considering a product, we typically show 30 to 180% sales lift. So, mm -hmm. you know, the brands want to pay to be a part of that type of premium platform mm -hmm. because they're getting a tremendous amount of market attention, capturing share from their competitors and just selling more. And another thing that's just occurred to me, could consumers also be a, a customer of Perch? I don't know if there's some kind of subscription where they could have it on their mobile phone when they're about to go and purchase something. They, I don't know, they use their mobile phone to log, I don't know, the QR information, the, the barcode and Perch will pop up all the necessary data that's needed for that product. Is, is something like that an option? Absolutely. In fact, we're seeing QR codes on every single implementation that we're doing right now. Um, I think we that started as, as some type of COVID safety kind of mandate. But then what we've realized is that the conversion from in-store to online, you know, so, so when you scan that QR code, now, now you know, maybe it's, you know, in, 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 in most of the mass retailers, they're very focused on their loyalty programs so that they can kind of get you to register and get mm -hmm. your data. And so if I can show a coupon and you scan the QR code, download the loyalty app and use that at checkout, mm -hmm. we've done that, for example, at Macy's and some others, um, then now when they leave the store, you can continue marketing to these customers. And so, you know, the QR codes have, have you know, all these things have to have a business basis yeah. for yeah. the customer all of a sudden, you know, I get better data. I can, you know, maybe I'm not ready to buy yet, but I want to save the product for later. Mm -hmm. um, uh, maybe there's, uh, for example, at Purina, there's an augmented reality experience that you can now get on your phone uh, mm -hmm. around, you know, healthy, healthy dogs and cats. So there's this wealth, right now there's this giant digital divide of what's available online mm -hmm. and almost none of it in store. You know, we want to cross that divide both by providing digital tools, content, mm -hmm. but also connecting to that mobile phone so that this is, yeah. you know, we've gone from this notion of an omni-channel experience in retail, mm -hmm. which is to say omni, I'm everywhere, to a new notion, which we call unified commerce, which is that each of these channels must complement each other. And increasingly, we're thinking of the store not just as a, a purchasing hub, but also as media. And so how do I take those impressions, that shopping experience, mm -hmm. complement digital and mobile and continue that experience when they leave the store? Yes. And that the people who are embracing that the most, uh, whether you look at the Walmarts and the Targets of the world, um, Macy's has done an amazing job. And think about, hey, you want to buy on your phone and pick up on store, in store? You want to, you want to select it in store and then shipping it you know, online yes. to your home? Do you want to, you know, peruse products, sign up to our loyalty group, get 10% off and da, 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 da. all these touch points start mm -hmm. complementing each other. And then they can get the data to actually personalize the experience to you. Mm -hmm. And 
And, so and that's where we're going with retail. Yeah, it's, it's sort of retail plus, isn't it? Which is interesting. And, and so just to, just to end this bit, I'm in lift with you and I ask, what do you do? Give me just one sentence of what Perch is all about. Uh, Perch provides interactive touchscreens at retail that use computer vision to detect which products you pick up to automatically wake up and tell you about the products that you're shopping uh, in store. Okay, a bit long sentence, but I, I'll, I'll, take that. <laughs> I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Um, do you want to talk about that article before we move on quickly? So oh, wonderful. I mean, yes, we, you know, we've been recognized. We've won Clio Awards, International Design Awards, mm -hmm. Fast Company Awards, and Edison Awards. The, the recent um, article that you referenced uh, uh, has certainly gone around, and um, it's an organization called Path to Purchase. It's really focused on the technologies transforming mass retail. And, you know, we basically got highlighted for both our, um, our Purina installation, which is one of the largest, uh, this notion of picking up a product and automatically getting information is called Lift and Learn. And Purina was one of the largest. Um, it included uh, some interesting mobile integrations with QR codes to an augmented reality experience. And then the other was Dove, uh, which launched at Giant Supermarkets and was really focused on integrating not just the product information and providing, you know, what should be your skincare, hair care regimen, but also how does this fit into, you know, an overall sense of beauty, the industry and their self-esteem project. And, um, and, and, and it's a really cool one because, uh, you know, we really, we really underscore the, the, the physical elements there's like a glowing logo and lighted shelves and 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 if you look at it you know when i say this i, I kind of laugh at like that's the technology i'm talking about because it's mm -hmm. still basic blocking and tackling mm -hmm. but a lot of retail is is that blocking and tackling and it turns out to be really hard to create beautiful displays at a price point that makes sense for mass retail and we're starting to build the types of modular and flexible technology that can handle the chaotic environments of, you know, different store shelves, you know, depths and widths and et cetera, and to be able to create a much nicer physical shopping experience. And so we, we, we got recognized for our work there as well. Okay, well, con congratulations for that. Um, consumer behavior, um, we'll just talk briefly about it, but let's dive into your thoughts on this. Um, define what that looks like pre-pandemic and how is it now? Yeah, I miss pre-pandemic. That was nice, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, it was interesting, you know, pre-pandemic, uh, there was this battle between digital and stores. Consumers were increasingly using digital um, and e-commerce was taking, you know, share about half a percent uh, to a percent uh, a year. Um, it, uh, it was a very kind of strong mix between goods and services. Um, we had started to think about what omni-channel means, mm -hmm. um, but primarily we had separated the notion of e-commerce and in-store shopping. Mm -hmm. um, consumer spending was relatively strong. Confidence in the economy was extraordinarily high. Uh, if you remember, interest rates were extraordinarily low. We we're pumping and fueling a lot of money into the economy. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, and, 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 and technology in store was being implemented at what I would call a glacial pace. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I, I think 
the the pandemic just changed all of it. It it, it shook the box um, and rearranged everything. And so you know it was such an interesting accelerant. Um, and uh, the 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 pandemic changed a lot of things. One is um, you know it immediately shifted. We all got this you know this big news item that you know, uh, e-commerce accelerated its market capture five years in five weeks, right? Yeah. Did you did you get that email? No, 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 I didn't get the email, but I got something very similar to that. Yeah, yeah. So because e-commerce spiked and we said the world is fundamentally changed and yeah. we're going to be buying online and, you know, we're going to be at home shopping all the time. And, uh, you know, people have been predicting retail's demise for as long as I've been in this <laughs> business. We've called it the retail apocalypse. We've called it all these things. But fast forward to where we are now, it's basically reverted back to where it was going before at that same capturing half a point to a point a year. <laughs> and so there was this big spike, but the last three quarters, retail, in-store retail has taken uh, share from e-commerce. It's growing faster than e-commerce on a percentage basis. And interestingly, every year except for 2020, it's grown more on a dollar basis. So Anytime I hear about in-store retail being dead or the retail apocalypse, I just kind of laugh. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's it's like it's a four point four trillion dollar business <laughs> that's growing two percent a year. And do you know, do you know what? Every time I hear that, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of. Do you remember the paperless office that we used to hear about? Yep. That reminds me of that. And we've still got more paper than we've ever had in the office. <laughs> so I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but that just reminds me of that every time I hear that. Carry on. Yeah, you, 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 the analogy I make is, what if I told you, hey, Elaine, I, uh, uh, I, I'm i doing great on my diet. I'm losing, I'm, I'm losing a lot of weight. And you said, well, oh, Trevor, how much have you lost? Oh, well, I'm gaining two pounds every year. <laughs> <laughs> You'd look at you look at me like I had seven heads, but people keep on saying these things. Know, it's great. I know. It's just, I don't know, filling up media space, I suppose. Yes. No, I mean, it's a great headline, right? Um, yeah. It's a great headline. People, you know, in, in the US, we, we love our sensationalist news. I, I, I know in the, in, in the UK, like they, 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 they like some of their own. But yeah. for us, like every snowstorm is a snowpocalypse. You know, we get, you, we get a centimeter of snow and everyone's like, the world's ending. It's a, Bombogenic cyclone. They, they throw these terms around. It's crazy. Well, I think something like that will be an alien <laughs> centimeter of snow. Come on. You know, yeah. There you go. But yeah. you know, going back to what we we're talking about, uh, what have you observed with the consumers? Um, are they cleverer? Are they are they just following the flow? Are they are they directing the flow? Uh, what's happening now? Well, it's 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 a fascinating time. I think what what really marks this time is change. And so the dynamics are literally changing quarter by quarter. So, you know, in 2020, we had people going into stores, literally risking their lives to be out <laughs> shopping. And one of the things I, you know, I, I like to say is like, you know, we've always talked about this amazing world where we get to just stay at home and order products and it just comes to our house and how amazing is, will it be? Well, we got it with COVID and we hated it, right? <laughs> Yes, And it, it turns out that we're physical beings and we crave physical interactions and, and, and that we literally need to be in the world interacting with things physically. And the more that, you know, this is why like people talk about VR, I'm, I'm not very big on VR, 
I'm much more big on AR and we, we could talk about that, but mm -hmm. I really think the opportunity is overlaying digital and enhancing the physical world, not taking away the physical world. And I think that's really proven to be true. And uh, what we saw was all of a sudden retailers uh, as a matter of survival had to adopt very agile transformation around mm -hmm. technology. They rapidly implemented buy online, pick up in store, you know, and underlying that being able to, to really understand every product on the shelf, where it is, where it is in inventory, et cetera. And um, so it was a, a huge advancement, really focused on supply chains, ordering, um, and, uh, you know, consumers made their way back to stores. And then as Delta hit and as, you know, China, you know, uh, started struggling with COVID, all of a sudden mm -hmm. we started getting supply chain challenges in Q3 mm -hmm. of last year. And, and that's what marks a little bit of shopper behavior um, yeah. now, which is living in worlds of, of, of scarcity and trying to find products. Um, in the US, for example, we, 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 we inspected you know, one plant for baby formula and found some you know, difficult conditions to forcing it to shut down for you know, two months. And it, it caused a tremendous shortage throughout the, the US and now actually Canada. And now we've had to change restrictions, import baby formula from Europe just to try and make sure our babies are fed. And so we've realized that our supply chains, which are kind of have been just in time, have become monolithic and very fragile. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of trying to figure out how to, how to, how to create more resilience there. And so shopper behavior now though, is, you know, we, we've seen people shift to spending on home goods, electronics for home office, for schooling mm -hmm. your children, spending moved away from services and travel and hospitality and into goods in a huge way. And, and now services, you know, the services are starting to come back, but goods is still so well above the line. So if you actually look at spending above 2019 on goods and services, it's over 20% higher than premium than pre-pandemic, which is massive, right? And, and so, spending has increased on gaming as well, hasn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, well, I mean, we're yeah, we're we're at home a lot more, right? And so, you know, I, I just read that the average American spends 20 to 30 minutes a day searching on Netflix on what to watch. I mean, think about what a waste, right? Uh, well, I think, I think that's reducing because I think Netflix are losing customers, aren't they? Um, maybe not at a sort of catastrophic rate, but they are losing them now. now. Okay, I, I think, you know, you mentioned AR and VR. Let's talk about some of that. Let's talk about that in, in parallel with marketing because marketing is your space. Um, how has marketing changed with all the advent of virtual reality because um you mentioned very early i think you talked about the customers and um, creating a bag there's a lot of co-creation going on and uh how is all of that related to how marketing has been changed well i i think we're thinking about how we engage with digital content in a big way if you actually look at digital consumption similar to that netflix point i mean it's just it's way up um <laughs> And uh, I would argue it's at the point of unhealthy. Um, the, the more we tend to engage with these digital products, the less happy we are. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, how much can that continue? Um, uh, but, you know, the notion of what we can do and track 
around digital and data is so incredibly powerful, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at the rise of TikTok versus Netflix, for example, the reason, one of the reasons that TikTok is so good is that, you know, they're 30 second clips. So every 30 seconds I get data. What did Trevor like? What did he, did he like mm -hmm. it? Did he comment on it? Did he swipe right past it? Whereas for Netflix, you get my feedback every 30 minutes to an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And so now, for Netflix, people are searching 20 to 30 minutes, whereas TikTok just delivers the content to your door. And, and, and underlying these little subtle things is data and understanding your customer. And so, you know, throughout the organization, what's changing is, is that data is the new oil, is what they say, right? Is, is, is the most valuable commodity. And, you know, I think what we're seeing in marketing and in the area that I'm focused on really is, is you know, we've had almost no data about what happens in the store. Yeah. Um, you know, retailers and brands are managing, um, you know, how many people walked in the store and then what were the sales? And that's almost like the equivalent, you know, on an e-commerce site would be like knowing how many visitors you had, uh, unique visitors and the sales and not knowing where they went on your site, what they clicked on, what did they add to cart? What were the conversion rates of your products? What were the conversion rates of your ads? doing anything around A-B testing, none of that like has happened in store and that's changing. Um, there's exciting use of computer vision uh, to, to track traffic flow within the store from people like Retail Next and others. Um, there's yeah. the types of stuff that we're doing around computer vision to see what people are clicking on, you know, yeah. virtually you know, by picking up at the shelf. There are people looking at, you know, yeah. computer vision to see where products are out of stock. It's, it's, it's an amazing time. I like the fact that your developments are in store and people have to physically go out and experience this because like you, um, I, I do have a little bit of concern with how much time people spend um, online in the digital space. I mean, you talked about um, some of this transition being unhealthy. Um, what do you think we should brace ourselves with in the coming years in the retail space, you know, physical or virtual? What's your prediction, Trevor? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I look their e-commerce is going to continue to grow. And, and it's, again, I think it's a little unhealthy the way I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it to separate the channels. I think e-commerce will promote in-store, in-store will promote e-commerce. I'm look, I think we're going to eke out, you know, some, some interesting developments in e-commerce. I think they will, they will be iterative. It'll be things like social shopping and mm -hmm. live shopping and streaming and some, some things like that. And you'll get a little bit more, but to me, once you start applying technology to the physical world, again, you know, I, I don't know if you know the origin of the word store. Um, uh, originally, stores were just, you know, the goods would come in on the ports and you needed a place to store the products. Yeah. And, and when you go to a grocery store, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is, that the products are just stored on the shelves for you to figure out. You're almost your own warehouse picker. Well, and nice, nice shiny wrappers, Matt. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. Right. But that's the thing. Can you imagine depending your whole marketing on shiny wrappers and four point print on the back? It's, it's, it's crazy. Right. And so I think that there is a revolution coming where we actually start understanding what happens at physical retail, that we connect to the mobile phone. We understand a little bit more about you know, who you are, what you like, what's in store that would appeal to you, that you can go up to products. I see, you know, perch on every end cap of every aisle, 
where you want to know about the best baby products or, or the mm -hmm. best environmental friendly products. And it explains them to you. You can discover these physical products and get the product content you need. You can buy it there or connect to your mobile phone and buy it online and have it delivered to your door. You can save it for later. You can do all the types of things that we've, you know, find it so easy to do digitally, but have the flexibility and platforms to do it in store. And I, I, I see right now, um, almost every major retailer building these retail media networks uh, for both online and in-store mm -hmm. that will allow brands to start connecting to shoppers in more deep and meaningful ways. And to me, where, where e-commerce is going to have some iterative improvements, I think in-store is going to have some revolutionary and disruptive improvements. And so that's why, you know, again, I'm I think right about at the forefront of this, isn't it? Perch is right at the forefront of what is happening in this space, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, I think the, the more interesting and important challenges for us as human beings is not to figure out how to, how to provide more immersive experiences for VR so that we can climb into our matrix pods mm -hmm. and spend hours away from the physical world and the people that we love and our social connections. It's about how do we leverage technology to enhance the world around us in a way that makes our life more enriching, that gives us the information that we need, that allows us to engage more rather than less. And that's where I'm spending my time thinking about, not only in retail, but just you know generally. And yeah. Yeah. You know, augmented reality, this is why I'm excited about augmented reality. I would rather overlay the digital world on the physical world then try and replicate the physical world in my matrix pod. Or even just abandon the physical world and go into your pod and spend sort of 20 hours a day in it. Um, okay, um, let's end the, this episode um, um, with this final common question to the guests of the retail series. Um, be interesting to hear your answer on this one. What is the solution that you think is yet to be developed, but sits within the retail world once available? Well, I, I think it's, you know, to me, you know, the most exciting technology is, is computer vision, right? So if we think about this mission of how do we enhance the physical world, the most important thing underlying that development is to understand what the physical world is. And there are a variety of technologies. We could talk about LIDAR and time of flight sensors or you know, those type of things, but ultimately it's all about seeing in one way or the other and understanding the world around us. And we're just at the precipice of this. And if you look at you know, the, 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 the progress we've made around the underlying technologies is just so rapid. I mean, every 18 months it progresses more than the 10 years before it. Mm. And I think, you know, we're going to start to understand the physical world. We're going to change the way we think about things, things that we thought were definitely true. Like, you know, where's the optimal place to put a product on the shelf we've proven is not, you know, is, is, is not the right place. We've, uh, we're changing art to science. And I think one of the great challenges of our time will be how do we do this in a way that doesn't lead to what, you know, Facebook and Instagram and some of the social media that, that takes advantage and programs us in a negative way. Mm -hmm. How do we build these technologies in a way that enhances our experience as shoppers, as human beings, um, as, as, as physical beings? Mm -hmm. And 
I think one of the really big questions is how do we balance the business needs to accelerate these technologies with the human needs of making the world a better place? And yeah. You know, I think I, I know in Europe you have GDPR and and real sensitivities to privacy. You know, in the U.S., you know, I think we've got technologies that you know can do front-facing cameras that personalize a message, male to female by demographic. I don't see an issue with that. I think you know when you go to a website, they know your your gender, they know your age, they know your, how much you make, and some other things. Uh, I think there are ways to leverage these technologies in a way that respects. Yeah. Uh, your privacy, um, but more importantly, to deploy this less as an advertising medium that's trying to, you know, almost trick you. I don't want to say trick you, but like influence you at any cost. I can see this path. as a, I can see this as a, a regulatory nightmare and a minefield. Um, listening to you when you you talk about these sort of things, it is, it is, and the question is, who do we trust to yes. create the right incentives? You know. Facebook's incentives were to create engagement to sell you advertising. And it turns out the best way to create engagement is to make you really, really angry. And so we have a perpetual anger creation yeah. machine. Yeah. And what will these technologies that can influence us be used for? How do we align the business incentives with making the world a better place? And how, how do we create success for the, for the technologies and the companies that leverage these to make our world a better place. And that is a big open philosophical question. To it is, in. I was thinking when he says, how can we create success for these technology organizations? There's a, something in my head said, but this must come at a cost and who or what is paying that cost? Yeah, and, and if I can make you know, 20% more by doing it the mm. other way, mm. you know, how do we as a society not fund the thing that gives shareholders yeah. an additional 20% yeah. return. Yeah. Which one takes priority? Which one has, I know it, it, this is a philosophical question, but here, in, in, in terms of where we're going, but, but on a technical level, I can understand what you're talking about. A really, really enjoyable conversation um, today on Heads Talk. Trevor Sumner, many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.